Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee Table. I'm Austin Battaglia here with Pat Franken. What's up, everybody? And we have a special episode today. We're bringing in a guest. We'll get to him in just a second. Um, but we're going to be talking about what he does on a regular day basis and then getting into the Packer game recap of the uh, week four and then previewing some week five matchups. So we're going to dive right in here and bring in our guest speaker for the day, Mr. John Young. Hello, how you guys doing? (laughs) Doing great, John. We're very happy to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So... Uh, John, would you like to give a quick intro of yourself and um, just kind of what you do on a daily basis and uh, why you're here talking with us about the Packers? Yeah, tell, sure. us, why, tell us why you're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm I'm an avid listener of Coffee Table, so I love <laughs> to hear you guys every week. It's my it's a good dog walk podcast for me. Uh, but I'm a second grade teacher, uh, previously third grade. Uh, and I also have coached swimming with Pat, played football with Austin, uh, so a few connections there. But uh, I got I got some good stuff for you guys. So my neighbor, my neighbor teacher, as I call him, uh, Minnesota native. So he's he's an older man. He's he's almost fifty. So we go back and forth with lots of lots of Vikings, Packers, little beef. At school, he uh, he likes to teach his kids the skull chant. Um, which yeah. we're, we're in, we're teaching in Madison. So, um, wow. if I was That's a parent bold. in that class, I'd you're, be, you're yanking well, them out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, he teaches his kids that. So obviously in turn, I'm next door doing go pack, go chance constantly. <laughs> uh, unfortunately we can't do that now, but, uh, yeah, so we go back and forth. He, uh, one time he tried to teach my kids the school chant. Uh, my kids booed him out of the classroom. Some of them left, walked, got up and walked out. <laughs> that is excellent. <laughs> it goes to tell you that you just rile these kids up a little bit with whatever you want them to, and, and they will and go full, with it. They're just fully on board. Yeah, yeah. If they like you, they're gonna they're they're gonna support you no matter what. Well, John, I'm glad to hear that you're teaching the future of America to carry the G, because I think that's a very important uh, trait that we need to be teaching our young kids. Oh, absolutely. We, uh, we also have a tradition in my room that we watch, uh, Packer highlights every post game day. Oh, um, dude, so I saw that on your story the other day and I was cracking <laughs> up. Absolutely loved it. It's I've been doing it. I taught kindergarten my first year, but ever since then with the older kids, I've, I've always done it. Um, and <laughs> this year, I mean, it's always been kind of a iffy thing. If the boss really <laughs> wanted to get after me for it, she could probably pretty easily, but, uh, doing it online virtual over zoom uh, i've gotten parents really involved in watching the highlights too so i get a lot of them that are like ah mr young when are we uh when are we gonna watch these highlights coming up here <laughs> that is awesome so as you're on zoom uh do you like interact with parents a lot more often now compared to when it wasn't quarantined um you know it it was a lot more often at first with just getting the kids started. Cause I mean, they're second graders, they're seven and eight. They don't know what they're doing a lot of times. Um, even just like tech stuff, even your, even your best readers, whatever, like it's a computer. It's, it's a bit of a foreign object at times. So, uh, they were there a little bit at the beginning, but thankfully they've backed away. I mean, you guys know as coaches of sports, parents can be allies or they can be a pain in the butt. And luckily I, I have a good group of parents this year that, that knew when to step away. 
Nice. That's that's always a good sign. Never good for swimming when those parents are fully invested in just trying to <laughs> literally anything, every aspect of practice. Pretty frustrating. Yeah, this summer it was it was great because coaching we uh, we had made a rule that parents weren't allowed on the pool deck. Oh, nice. Yeah, I might I might uh, I might keep that rule in place going forward. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah. My, my brother coached this summer for swimming and he said that rule was just amazing. Not having anyone coming up to him during practice and interrupting or telling him how to do his job. So, or how about that? Like awkward feeling of right when practice ends and you see the kids get out and you immediately see that parent start walking your way and you're like, Oh no, (laughs) I know exactly where this is going. What did I do this time? (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Like he's been sitting over there watching this practice for two hours and now's his chance. Yeah, some of those parents are just dialed in sometimes during those practices, sometimes more than I think I am. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you can see it in the eyes. Their eyes just get just locked in. It's like that auto lock in a video game where they're just yep. and you can just feel them the whole time locking in on you. That yeah, not fun. I, I will say that doesn't happen in football coaching as much. Uh I think there's just a different set of uh parents in between those two sports, but there's still, there's always going to be parents that are involved with that, especially because football, it's less about what times you have and more of, I guess, a less objective view of who should be starting, but yeah, it could be, could be time to switch sports. soon. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so before we get into recapping the Packer game, I want to hear what, what is your best, like go-to story of just a kid being, kids do the darnest things type of deal uh kid licking the basketball pole when it's winter time that is not just a joke from a movie that is a real thing that happens and it happens every single year and the nurse has to come out and bring some water yeah yeah so that's those are not just uh funny movie quotes and you know snapchat memes or whatever they are kids really do that kind of thing that's so weird do you I don't know anybody that I grew up with that did that. Do you guys? I'm sure a few of my friends did <laughs> just knowing <laughs> them. I never did it. Cause I, my dad always told me it was real. He said, don't even think about it. I feel like it's more likely my friends have done it since like college than when they were really little. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think I ever had, I don't think I did that, but I feel like one of our friends had to have at some point. Um, not going to call out any names or anything, but feel like someone had to have. Um, any other good stories for us from from those days? Oh, let's yeah. So you say those days. It has been quite a while since I've actually seen the kids. I mean, nowadays, honestly, I get kids with shirts off in their Zoom meetings. I get parents yelling in the background, not knowing their kids, not on mute, cussing at people in the house. And it, uh, I mean, if you want an entertaining profession, that's certainly one to go into. I I don't know how you do it. I'll give one story I had from substitute teaching. Uh, This was my first assignment. I was, I decided that I'd take on a middle school gym teaching day. I was like, oh, that's easy. It's pretty much like coaching. Uh, So I did that and it was only a half day. So I figured, oh, that's going to be the easiest way to jump into it. Um, so I go in after my half day, it's, you know, it was awkward. It's middle school, but I expected that. 
So I go in to turn in my slips and they go, oh, this teacher usually does elementary school for the second half of the day. And I thought, oh boy, this is not what I signed up for. And so I go, okay, like, fine. Like I can do that. And she goes, that person goes, great. You have kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade, kindergarten. And I thought, oh no, this is a nightmare. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and get them like running around as much as possible, which was a bad idea as well. But I go into the first class and the teacher comes up and she goes, okay, so little Jimmy here likes to run. And I was like, well, great. This is gym class. Like that's exactly what we're going to. And she goes, no, no, no. Like he likes to run away. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I go, I go up to little Jimmy and I go, okay, Hey Jimmy. Uh, so you're going to stay in the gymnasium during this whole class because we're going to have a lot of fun today. And I tried to be all peppy. And, you know, he looks at me and he goes, great. Yeah, I'll do that. And I was like, why hasn't anyone ever just asked him before? Like, these people are idiots. And I turn around, literally a second later, I hear the gymnasium doors opening and closing. And that kid's just sprinting down the hallway. And so I go chasing after him. And I tell a teacher, like, hey, can you get him back in here? go back into the gymnasium. There's a kid crying now because another kid looked at them wrong. And then there's another kid that was locked in the closet somehow trying to get a, a ball. And that was on my first day of trying to substitute teach. And I have no idea how you teach elementary school. Just the utmost respect to you. I, I, I can't do it. The closer you are to their, their maturity level, the, the better <laughs> it goes. You just, you just go with it. It's, it's so funny. I mean, just... I couldn't even tell you a thing because 20 times a day, some kid says something that's just absurd and goofy and wrong. And it just, it makes it fun. And I I have another question for you, John. You said you were previously a third grade teacher, now second grade. Is that considered a demotion in the teaching world? So I keep (laughs) saying, that's what I tell everyone because they say, oh, you know, how's third grade going? And I say, I'm doing second now. I got demoted. Uh, They always, and they look at me and they ask the same question. Like, did you actually got demoted? It's like, no, I didn't actually. Like, no, get it doesn't work like that. No, I could, funny, though. I could teach. I Third grade is the highest I can teach. So that's just what I was put in. That That's where the job was when I first switched schools. Um, but I could teach 4K. I could teach uh, like a two-year-old toddler class if I really wanted to. Uh, I am yeah. type certified. Do you have a favorite grade out of everything you've done so far? Oh, third grade was so much fun. I mean, it's that perfect age of like, you can goof around with the kids. They, at least some of them, when you're real sarcastic and just trying to be funny, like they, they catch on to it. Um, second grade has been all right. I have, a, I have a pretty decent group of kids, but that third grade level is like, they can do things on their own. So you don't need to worry about them too much, uh, but they'll, they're not going to be too bratty to you quite yet until they get to fourth and fifth grade. And then you can just goof around. It's just a good time. That's awesome. Is that kind of the same age as nine, 10, the groups that we coach? That'd be like, uh, so second grade is seven turning eight. Third grade is eight turning nine. Fourth okay. grade is nine turning 10. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a solid age group. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and switch gears here and start diving into the NFL and the Packer game. Um, So just to give a quick recap of it, the Packers played the Falcons on Monday night, uh, came out victorious 30 to 16. Uh, Never seemed like it was too close to the game. Packers were up 20 to three at halftime. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers did his thing again. Aaron Jones did his thing. Big Bob Tanyan came up clutch. Want to get both of your thoughts on just your first impressions of the game itself. Uh, John, I'll start with you. Sure. Uh, Lots of positives, certainly on the offensive side when you're missing. I mean, Lazard's now out probably for the whole season. Uh, Devontae getting held out again. Um, So for him to still be able, for Rodgers to still be able to spread the ball around a little bit, them to still score that many points, love it. The defense just to me seems like a liability right now. And it makes me a little nervous, not, not too nervous. I think I still think it's a good defense, uh, but I just watch once in a while. And I do get a little nervous once we start playing those a uh, little more powerful offensive teams. So we'll see how that goes as we go down the road here. Is there a specific part of the defense that you're not really feeling or just as a whole? I think inconsistencies, honestly. Um, we'll see what if Kenny Clark, when he, whenever he gets back, if that makes a huge difference. Um, I feel like guys have stepped up, which is nice, um, especially on the interior of that defensive line. But, um, yeah, it's just they seem inconsistent, which is, I feel like I don't know if that's injuries. I know uh, King was out, but I don't know how well King was truly really playing. Uh, he's missed some big tackles. Uh, Kirksey getting out. Summer's getting ran over by uh, Todd Gurley right at the two yard line or whatever <laughs> bounced right off him basically. So we'll see, hopefully they can figure things out. The bye week here is hopefully going to be pretty helpful for that though. Gotcha. Nice. Pat, what are, what are your initial thoughts? Um, kind of the big things just to switch it up from what I'd normally say, because I think our offense was awesome. I kind of, you know, like when they show the graphics of the defense, when they showed our secondary, though, I don't remember feeling this like pumped about the guys we had back then. Like when you just see the names of um, Savage, Amos, and um, our cornerbacks, it's like, wow. I remember four years ago when it was looking at these guys and it's like, where did they even come from? Like, right. When Ladarius Gunter was guarding Des Bryant. And <laughs> exactly. Just, this guy was not in the league three weeks ago. And it's like, you know, Props to him for coming up and showing up every day, but that he was clearly getting burned and absolutely destroyed. Oh, he was outmatched. Um, I mean, there, there's a huge difference now of having Jair Alexander, who's the top graded cornerback in the first four games, compared to like I would much rather, put, or I feel way more comfortable putting a top tier corner on a number one receiver than putting like what we used to have for sure. And the couple of the other things, I mean, Tanyan looked awesome. I do hate that they keep bringing up that he works out with Greg Kittle, though. I don't understand why that's with a George fun Kittle. fact. George, wait, what did I just say? Greg. Oh, <laughs> George Kittle. <laughs> no, Greg Kittle. I thought that's who he was working out with. Oh, he was um, working out with Greg. That's his cousin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's the funniest part. He's working <laughs> out with a guy who's not even famous. Um, but – Seriously, that's a weird little thing that I'm getting so sick of. They just kept every touchdown. They're like, and he worked out with Kittle, you know, lived with him for a little bit. That's great. What does that have to do with anything? Uh, well, do you know that uh, Duhay Dukin, the former Badger basketball player, actually was a ball boy for the for the Chicago Bulls? It's that same thing of the talking points that these <laughs> announcers have. Is every that a real time. one, though? Yeah. Every time when he was on the Badgers, they brought it up. Every Or Alex Caruso, when he was on Texas A&M. Every game they would go, and this guy was a ball boy. He grew up in College Station, and they That's have so to. Weird. It's they. There's certain guys where these guys lock on to like little things that they've done before, and they just keep bringing it up. Those well, and I get, 
I those are the ones you, that come to mind every time. And I guess if you're like tuning in for the first time, maybe that's an interesting fact. But if you're watching every Packer game, they bring it up literally every time he touches the ball. Yeah. Um, but back to football stuff. Two other things I like are so Chris Barnes. That's his name. That's his first name, right? Mm-hmm. I thought he looked pretty solid. I mean, for where we picked him, and I remember thinking just how slow he looked, and I didn't know how it would really work out. And I know it's just one undrafted, right? Isn't he the guy from Minnesota? No, that's Kamal Martin. Kamal Martin's been hurt. Chris Barnes is Chris Barnes is an undrafted free agent. Oh, gotcha. Well, that man looked incredible. That blitz where he blew the running back, like just completely (laughs) blew up the middle of the line, was Mm -hmm. awesome. And I was like who is number 51? And I'm just like looking it up. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's been making plays all season. It's been great to see like we, cause we need someone at that position. Exactly. Um, And last thing was just Falcons defense is atrocious. I, that was really sad. Yeah, it, it really is. And it, it just looked like a going against a JV team in terms of that secondary. And when you put Aaron Rodgers there, it doesn't even matter who he's throwing to. Like I, that one, uh, when he used the hard count and got the free play and threw it to Shepard, I feel like he, cause usually he throws it end zone. And that one, I felt like he was like, ah, I got a free play. I'm just going to give Shepard the ball, make him feel a little bit better about himself. That's like, exactly what I thought too. And, and I was like, he's literally just playing games like with the Falcons. He's not like, they're not even pressing him at this point. So it, he made it look, I mean, he, it's like playing Madden on a rookie. Like he just is. Yep. And I feel like he was doing this before, but definitely that suspect defense of the Falcons. He just picked him apart. It was just science. Yeah. Never looked stressed out whatsoever. Like it was mm-hmm. just like, all right, we'll be good. Yeah. So I guess this carries into kind of what you saw from, I'm going to skip special teams. Cause there really weren't that many, unless anyone has any special teams call outs, I'll give it a second. Nope. Let's move on to offense. All right. So <laughs> going into our offense, as we're talking there, um, Rogers, 27 of 33, 327 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he still hasn't turned the ball over. I'll knock on wood right now. Um, wow. but, uh, just playing out of his mind. I, I can't believe some of the plays that he's making and, yeah, you can blame me. We're on a bye week, so he'll turn it over this bye week. How about that? Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but I also I just am so impressed with LaFleur's offense of I know they showed the stat about this game at some point in there of when there is motion versus no motion. And about 50% of the plays are using motion, and they were averaging nine yards of play with using motion. And it's just like the defense has to account for that outside run, like even though we barely ever give it and we usually only give it to urban, they still have to respect it. And then that opens up the inside. It just, it makes the linebackers start looking everywhere. I just, I've been so impressed. I think LeFleur's if, if you were to pick a coach of the year for the first four games, to me, it's Matt LeFleur. And I know I'm biased with it, but like Aaron Rodgers is playing this way with no Devonte or Lazard. And it's just incredible. What, yeah, I think Lafleur's doing something. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the stat. It was like uh, three. How many? How often NFL teams have run plays with three running backs on the field? And it, it was like first half of the game, Packers four times. The rest of the NFL four times total. So like he's just trying things and they're working. Yeah, and I mean it's like 
for everyone that keeps saying we don't give Rogers weapons, then those have to be the same people that like, then you better give Rogers and Lafleur respect when it comes to MVP and coach of the year, because if you're saying that there are no weapons on this team and they're putting up these kind of numbers and this type of scoring, there has to be some sort of correlation there then, or you have to then say, okay, maybe we misjudge the weapons that Rogers has, but I think it's a little bit of both in my mind, Pat, what are your thoughts on our offense? I think specifically this game was play calling and Aaron Rodgers just being the man. Um, because I, even with the Falcons defense being bad, he can obviously read everything to where he makes them even look worse than they probably are. And for this game specifically, I it did not feel like we had many weapons. I know we have good running backs, but um, outside of that, you know, Tanyan, even though he looked great, doesn't scare me or wouldn't scare me if I'm right. on the defense. So, um, and he was, he was the one like running train on that defense. So when that happens, I think a lot of props should go to the play calling and Rogers. Now here's a question I have about our offense, uh, for the rest of the season over under 1.5 touchdowns for AJ Dillon. When do you think we're going to get this man into the end zone? And do you think it happens more than once this season? I'll take the over. Yeah. Wow. You think Interesting. I, I, I mean, so he obviously hasn't gotten the ball a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But man, it's just a tank. I mean, <laughs> I, I just imagine, and here's why I think there's just going to be some garbage time touchdowns uh, <laughs> and, and that's just how it's good. I mean, there's bad, there's a lot of bad teams that we still play this year mm-hmm. that I think we're going to get down to it and we're going to be up 30 plus and AJ Dillon's just going to, get his chance. And I think that's going to happen more than once. And you know what? I'm going to agree with him on that because I think also Jamal Williams getting stuffed at the one, like, I know that's just one play, but I'm just saying, yeah, he might get a shot. And then if that one shot works, he might get a couple more. Yep. Now LaFleur has said about that play that that was a complete play calling mishap, which I, I think, I would, I don't think it would have mattered which running back was in on that play. They were absolutely stuffing that fourth and one. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I do agree that I also just hate being shotgun on the one yard line. It's a personal thing for me. That's all I think when I see it now, I'm just like, Oh man, Austin hates that. I mean, if we draft all these big dudes, just line them up and let them go play football, you know, like make them stop AJ Dillon's momentum. But I think as, as he gets more involved with the offense and starts understanding it more, I think, and starts getting more trust with the coaches and Aaron Rodgers, I I'm with you. I think now I don't see it being much more than two touchdowns, but I think two or three touchdowns could be a possibility. I just, I would love to see him being used as a goal line back. So wanted to bring that up, but we're going to switch over to defense real quick. Uh, we let up 16 points. What are uh, Pat, I'll start with you. What what were your thoughts from the defense from this game? Um, I I don't know. To me, the Falcons looked out of sync on offense. So, because in theory they have a lot of weapons, mm-hmm. and it, it should have been really frightening. And so I should feel really positive about the way we played. But for some reason, it didn't feel so much as our defense as just them not executing as well sometimes. Um, I thought Kiki still looked good on the defensive line. And I'm just kind of nervous about these injuries. I, I didn't check in to see what it looks like now, but it, 
I know a couple guys got hurt towards the end of that game in the secondary. So I'm just kind of nervous about that moving forward, I guess. But nice to be heading into a bye week. John, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I think Jair is just an absolute stud. I think, like you talked about, Pat, like we've been missing guys like that. Um, so he is just, I mean, to shut, I think Calvin Ridley, you know, a few years ago, just tore up the Packers one game. I think him and Julio both had just a game, just career games. Um, so for then, uh, and I don't know what Ridley's stats were, but I know Jair was all over him the whole game. So Ridley had zero catches on five targets. Perfect. That's what I like. To hear. So, I mean, having a guy like that when you're playing, uh, I mean, obviously guys like Rogers know how to spread the ball around, but when you're playing the teams that have that one or two, one or two guys that could potentially just tear you apart, it's really nice to have a guy that's pretty reliable. Um, I think he sometimes is really aggressive and sometimes that comes back to, to haunt him a, a little bit. Um, maybe he gives up the big play here and there, but, I'm impressed with that. Uh, and I'm impressed with the guys that are stepping up with some of those injuries, like Kiki in the middle there. Um, Ty Summers. I mean, I don't think he's playing great, but I think um, I do think he had some good plays in there. And then Chris Barnes, I mean, that guy has made, I mean, he was not terrible his first week as an undrafted guy and he played pretty well his first week and he's, he's made some serious strides. So it, it looked like he was playing with way more confidence. Yeah. And maybe it's with Kirksey out. He, he knows he really needs to step up. I don't know what it is, but I am happy with him. And he, I feel like he could be a guy here for a while now. Yeah, no, I I'm in full agreement there. I think it, and it will be exciting once Kamal Martin gets healthy to see if that guy, cause he was projected to be the number two guy behind, uh, Kirksey. So um, it, it would be nice to see if we have some depth there to be able to use some more guys that can help stop the run when we face some of these better running teams. Uh, I mean, my takeaway from it is that Atlanta offense has been scoring points. I know they haven't been winning games, but they've been scoring points, especially in the first half. So, you know, I realized we gave up a 20 play drive, which was really frustrating, um, but we forced a field goal. And in the NFL, you know, if we force field goals and Aaron Rodgers is playing on our side, we're going to win the game. So I was actually, I was really impressed with the defense this week with no Kirksey, Kenny Clark, um, and no Rashawn Gary, which meant, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, Z and Preston Smith were just so dog tired during some parts of the game. And I don't understand, like more teams should go hurry up against us because our pass rush is not good when teams start going hurry up. I don't know if anyone's noticed that, but like when you let Zadarius Smith time up the snap count and really get going, he's a monster. But when he starts getting in that hurry up mode, like he gets, he gets stonewalled a lot more. So I'm hoping teams aren't noticing that as much. Also, isn't it kind of crazy how um, he, he makes these big plays at like key moments in the third quarter or like, even mm -hmm. though we've been up big in these games, there'll still be a, where the, Offense is driving and it's like, oh man, if they score here, you know, I don't know, it could be a different game. And then he gets a strip sack or gets a sack yeah. or tips a ball. And you're just like, I, this isn't, this is just crazy how he has a nose for just making that big play. Right. Cause I'll, I'm always watching him and there's times where it just seems like, okay, like, come on Z, come on Z. And it like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then he changes the game. Just all what it takes is like 
one missed block on him or just one amazing play by him. And he he's just such a difference maker. I'm just so thankful that we paid the money to sign him. Reminds me a little bit of when we had Julius Peppers, mm-hmm. uh, like not always making the plays, but man, he made, he made the noise when he, when he made those plays. I mean, they were huge plays. Oh, hundred percent. Um, any last thoughts on this Packer game before we go into um, offensive and defensive player of the week? Um, I, the last thing I had was Jamal Williams dance moves. I really enjoy them. Like I really, really like them. I don't know what it is, but he got that one, like just dump off pass, got a first down and he just starts dancing on the sideline, like wiggling his hips. And I was like, all right, like, this is great. I think my favorite part was them showing him dancing when there's literally no one else on the field. Oh, during that pregame. Yep. That was just so great. That guy is just a ball of sunshine. Mm -hmm. They, uh, they interviewed him or he was talking about the, like whatever the little video screen is that they got going on right now that they can see themselves. And he, he said, he's like, yeah, they should keep that up because he likes it. He likes to dance in front of it. Yeah. I think, (laughs) you know, even when fans come back, that is the greatest idea to let these guys watch themselves and, you know, they were already doing it with the cameramen last year, but let them see themselves dance. I absolutely love it. All right. So we're going to move on to offensive and defensive player of the week here. Um, again, this is doesn't have to be the absolute best performance, but one that you watched over the weekend and really just want to call out. Um, so I'll start off with my quick ones. Uh, and I'm going to avoid using Aaron Rodgers and Zadarius Smith since we've already covered them, but Uh, They easily could be argued as the offensive and defensive player of the week. Uh, But I'll give mine of offensive. I'm going with Joe Mixon for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, He finally had a breakout game, went 151 yards rushing with two touchdowns, 30 yards of receiving with one touchdown. Uh, The Bengals, that offense just was clicking. Joe Mixon made some moves that You know, that offensive line is not good for the Bengals. Joe Burrow has been beaten up, and Joe Mixon has had not a lot of room to run. Uh, But he made some dudes miss and was active in the receiving game. It was it was fun, especially because I have him in fantasy. It was was fun to see him. How much much of this decision is fantasy driven? Okay, to be fit, he scored three. He he did have three touchdowns. He He scored three touchdowns. Um, Who, John? I'll go to you next. Do you have an offensive player of the week? Yeah, offensive. I'm going to go Odell uh, for the sole fact that he took that reverse as far as he did uh, on a defense that should have easily tackled him either for a loss or certainly not a touchdown. But for him to do that, I feel like he's getting a swagger back that he had. You know, I feel like he hasn't really done that for the Browns yet. Um, But watching him do that, I feel like I feel like now it's Odell time now is what my thought is. Watching that play happen live, I just kept thinking, oh, my God, the Browns are about to ruin it again. And then I just kept thinking, wait, he's not he's not tackled? Wait, he's not <laughs> tackled? And then it was some <laughs> touchdown. I was so confused as to what was going on. Yeah, Rex Ryan was making fun of the, uh, the defense there for not knowing that the, the sideline has never missed a tackle, I think he said. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's great. Pat, who do you got for offense? Uh, I went with Tom Brady throwing five touchdowns, had a nice comeback against the chargers and watching that game. The main reason I'm picking him, I mean, he put up great numbers, but he was finally bombing the ball. And Mm -hmm. that's just something I, I hadn't seen in a while. And I'm starting to wonder how much he could really throw it down there. 
And I'm sure it helps having Mike Evans being able to jump up and grab almost anything. But um, still, I think it's huge that he was able to get it down there and they were great throws. So I'm giving a shout out to Tom Brady. Yeah, no, he, I mean, five touchdowns. Mike Evans was making some incredible plays and he was hurt too, which was blowing my mind. But uh, that's, that's a great pick. All right, moving on to defense. I'm going to start off with mine and, Again, I'll do a little bit of a homer pick, but Miles Garrett for the Cleveland Browns uh, had two sacks with one of them being a strip sack, had it's his third straight game with the strip sack. So I think that guy right now is in the running for defensive player of the year and is just an absolute monster when he's not injured or suspended. So uh, Miles Garrett gets my pick for defensive player of the week. Uh, Pat, I'll go to you next on this one. So I had a feeling you were going to be going with Garrett. So I went with (laughs) the honey badger, Matthew. Um, He had that pick six against the Patriots at a point where I understand that game, given the backup quarterback situation, probably wasn't the chiefs probably weren't going to lose, but you know, the Patriots were sticking around and it was kind of close. And then he jumps that route, gets an easy pick six walking in at the end zone and the game's pretty handily um, over at that point. So I thought that was pretty cool and good to see him making some plays on a good team. For sure. John, who do you got? Miles Garrett was my original guy. So I'll, I'll move on from him. Cause I agree with what you said. I, and I, I, I was trying to do non Packers, but after you said what uh, Jair held Calvin Ridley to, I gotta, I gotta go with that. Those cornerbacks just across the league, those guys with the quietest games, deserve so much more attention than they get. And that's just nuts to hold a guy that good to nothing. I mean, he was what the number one fantasy receiver going into that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been just going off left and right. And I know there was no Julio Jones to draw coverage, but I think either way they were going to put Jair on Calvin Ridley. So it was yeah, so cool to see him lock him down. We also, I know we were focusing on the Packers, but Julio looked bad. Those couple of plays he was out there. Like, was he just out there as a decoy at the beginning? Cause he looked I, like an old man trying to walk around. Yeah. I, I don't think they were that, that watching that happen made me realize how happy I was that Devonte wasn't playing. It was like, exactly. okay, we made the right decision. We're not going to waste him on a week four matchup, especially, I mean, it also helps that we were just kicking their butt. So that makes it a lot easier. But, now he's got the bye week to heal up too. So oh, yeah, I, I can't wait until we get Kenny Clark and Devonte and, we'll see about Kirksey, but like, we're, we're playing on, on fumes right now in terms of who we have. And then once those guys come back, it's just going to be a stacked team. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with a preview of some of these week three matchups. We'll talk to you soon. I'm going to have my brother edit that part out. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Really good. And we're back. 
it is time for us to go through some week three matchups. Uh, looking back, it looks like Pat and I went uh, two and two, both of us last week. I think we both split a game. I'm, I was completely wrong on the Texans. They looked absolutely awful and have fired their coach since. Um, and then the other game, I think the Bengals were victorious and the Jaguars didn't look too great. Otherwise, Pat and I were on the same page. So excited to see what we got today. We're going to start off with the Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans. There is a lot of weird COVID stuff going on. So we're just going to assume that this game is being played on a Monday night um, and that it's going to happen this week. Uh, so Pat. It does look uh, like it was just moved to Tuesday, by the way. Okay. So, ESPN, so. We'll, we'll assume that this game is being played on Tuesday and actually going to happen. Uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on it? I think this is going to be a great game and I'm going to go with the Buffalo bills. I think looking at who the Titans played those first three weeks, I would say for how strong of a team they looked towards the end of last year, pretty disappointing against the Broncos, Jaguars and Vikings. So I understand they're three and zero, but I would put those teams outside of the jets. Those teams are pretty far down my list in terms of where they rank in the NFL. And so to be barely winning those, beating the Broncos by two, beating the Jaguars by a field goal, and then only beating the Vikings by one, um, I'm just going to then go to the what I think has been a really explosive passing game with uh, Allen and the Bills. So I think they're going to be able to put up the points to win the game. And I think I'm just on the Josh Allen bandwagon right now. I feel that. John, what, what's your take on this one? Uh, totally agree with Pat with the uh, less, less about the Titans. I think, I think they're still an okay team. I think they have the, the ability to beat even some of the best teams if, if they have a good game. Um, but the bills are just something special right now. I mean, um, getting digs on that team, that's a huge plus I think for Josh Allen. Um, and he's, yeah, he's just been throwing that ball like none other lately. I mean, aside from Rogers, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Bills, because I think they're going to just tear it up through the air. Yeah, I am 100% in agreement. I also just, I don't know how well you can prep for a team if you haven't been practicing on the field. So I think that's going to come into play big time. Um, as well as we don't even know, you know, I know Corey Davis is listed on the COVID list for the Titans. Not sure really who else is on there, but uh, yeah. I, I also think even if they're at full strength, like you said, Pat, I'm not impressed with their victories so far. You know, I think this this may be a team where like them and the Texans end up switching spots just based off of it. But at the same time, the Texans are terrible. So I'm not going to I'm not going to stick my foot in the ground on that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Cardinals at Jets. So, John, I'm going to start with you for this one. Jets. Uh, it's a prove it game. I mean, the Jets are just getting the most trash talk right now, I think, and they have for a long time. Uh, but I think, I mean, Adam Gase is going to be fired, right, in in no time, I'm guessing. So I feel like he needs some motivation to maybe get one more win before that happens. Um, and I just, I just don't get it. And the Browns have been doing this for years. I don't know how being so bad doesn't light a fire because they have talented players they're just such a bad team. I just feel like week five is the week that maybe they get their one, possibly only win on the year. Uh, but I'm rolling the dice. I'm going Jets. All right, Pat, your response. 
Interesting. And what you're saying kind of makes sense, but because you'd think an NFL team would win one at some point, but I am at the point where I don't even think the Jets look like an NFL team anymore. The way their defense is essentially just not even on the field. Like, I don't even think it matters how good Darnold looks or if, I mean, not that he's looked great. I'm just saying like, let's say with the weapons they have start looking good on offense. I haven't seen anything on the defense to think that they can contain anyone. Um, but that being said, the Cardinals, I have no idea what kind of team they are. They've two, well, they had that awesome win against the 49ers to start out. And then getting beat by the Lions and Panthers, I do think the Panthers are kind of a sneaky team, but with their record right now, I'm very confused as to where they are. And their offense this last couple of weeks looked rough to me. Like watching those highlights, it kind of looks like the Packers a couple of years ago where they're just kind of hoping Kyler scrambles and makes something happen, which doesn't seem like that great of a game plan. Um, but that being said, again, I think the Jets are very bad. So I think the Cardinals are going to get another win and we're still not going to know how good of a team they really are. Yeah, uh, I'll give my take now. I, I'm agreeing with Pat here. Uh, John, I respect you going for the Jets. I think it's bold. And I, I just, that team looks completely terrible. And I'll reference what Warren Sharp, the uh, football analyst, has mentioned a lot of the Jets keep running 11 personnel, which means they have one running back and one tight end in. And it is proven that with Sam Darnold and with a lot of teams in the league, it's really good to start mixing up how many tight ends and running backs you're throwing in there. They're going 11 personnel almost the entire game and barely even throwing to Chris Herndon, who's one of their better offensive players. I just think it's classic. Like you look at Adam Gase and look at the guys that he's coached. It's been Ryan Tannehill leaves Adam Gase and goes off. Kenyon Drake leaves Adam, Adam Gase and, you know, plays way better. Uh, I think, was it Mostert or Brita or whatever 49ers running back that started playing way better as soon as he left? Devontae Parker actually started having great seasons after Adam Gase left. I just, to me, I don't understand how that guy is still employed as a head coach. So I guess if you haven't figured it out, I'm taking the Cardinals in this one. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, the Colts at the Browns, two three and one teams. We actually get to talk about some good teams now. Uh, John, I'll start with you again on this one. Uh, this is going to be a fun game. I'm super excited for this one. Uh, Browns are just finally being the team that ESPN and whoever else has just hyped up forever and it hasn't actually come to fruition. Um, Colts getting rivers, I feel like, is. Uh, a bounce back. Who was it? Reset last year, right? So I feel like after losing luck, they were getting a quarterback with at least a lot of experience um, with leading the team. I'm going to go Browns. I think uh, the momentum is a, maybe a little more in their favor, um, just with how they seem a little more energized, I guess I would say. Um, especially with that win last week, but I think they're a little more energized. I am hopeful that uh, JT, Jonathan Taylor, pops off a little bit. Um, I do think it's going to be a shootout, though. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring, potentially, and uh, I think it's going to be a really close game, but I I'm going Browns. Interesting. Pat, I have an idea based off of our text messages earlier today, but uh, I'm going to go to you next on this one. 
So this one for me is a lot like the Texans Vikings one last week. I keep going back and forth. And like every time I think a little bit longer about it, I pick a different team because neither of these teams have played anybody this year. The Colts played the Jags, Vikings, Jets, Bears, the Browns. I don't have the schedule up in front of me, but I don't think the Cowboys are as good as people think they are. So as great as it was that they put up all those points, they still ended up almost losing it. And the Cowboys have just, I don't know. I'm not putting them in as high of um, in the rankings as I think a lot of people are. So this I think is kind of a big game to determine, are these just two mid-level teams or is one of these teams going to put the smack down on the other one and kind of show like that they are up maybe an extra level. And I'm going to go with the Browns. And so I think it will be a little bit more of a low scoring game, still be close because these both have good defenses. I just really doubt that Colts offense watching that bears game. I know the bears have a good defense, but that was rough. Like the ball just wasn't going anywhere. Nobody, they, I mean, T Y Hilton's not kind of playing up to what we think he should be. So that offense just looks bad to me and I'm going to put my money on OBJ just the way he's been looking. Nice. Yeah. I think I'm with both of you on this game is extremely tough to decide for me. And I'm surprised that I'm zagging here from the two of you because I'm picking the Colts. Um, and Pat, I thought you were going to be the last one to jump on their bandwagon, according to a couple episodes ago. But um, I don't think picking one game is hopping on the bandwagon. You're I'm a saying I don't, Browns fan. Now. I'm saying I don't think the Colts are as good <laughs> as people think either. Uh, no, I, I agree. Because I, I thought after watching the first drive against the Bears, when the Colts just ran down the field and scored, I was like, okay, this is going to be a blowout. And then they could not figure it out the rest of the game, or they kept shooting themselves in the foot. Um, the one thing that I'm banking on is just the fact that it's a new quarterback and it takes a couple weeks to get oriented in the system. And, you know, they had just lost Pittman. And uh, so that's really my only excuse because I loved the Colts defense. That's where that's to me, the difference in this game is I think the Colts have a great defense, whereas the Browns other than miles Garrett, I'm not quite sure of yet. Um, so they, I'm, I'm going to an awesome defense and the loss of Nick Chubb really, to me, I, I do agree that this is, I think it's going to be kind of one of those like low scoring back and forth type games. Cause both teams have running offenses that, you know, are down a few players or T Y Hilton's not playing at his level. Phillip rivers just hasn't really gotten on that level with him. So I'm going with the Colts at the end of the day, but I do think it's going to be one of those like, 21 to 17 type games where it's just kind of a weird back and forth. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I kind of already said this, but like, if it's that, if it's a close kind of gutting it out game, that tells me nothing about either of these teams. <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, I don't, I still don't know where they're at. No. And I feel that way about almost every team in the league, other than the chiefs, the chiefs and the jets are the only two teams where I can really say, I know what they are. Cause you know, you look at a team like the Miami Dolphins. I still, that team has competed in every loss that they have. Kind of same with the Broncos. I mean, yeah. I, they're a team that I want to put in Jets territory, but I just can't because they keep kind of fighting in these games. Yeah, there's there's so many teams like that. Um, all right, so this brings us to the last game with two teams that I think also fit that category of, I have no idea how good either one of them are um, with the, Los Angeles Chargers at the New Orleans Saints. Um, this game might be moved to Indianapolis. Still waiting on that, but 
Otherwise, uh, John, I'm going to start with you. Chargers at Saints. Uh, this one will be interesting. Uh, Drew Brees has gotten so much slack this year for just not having an arm, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I feel like you got to give him a little bit of credit just because is Drew. I mean, it's like Aaron Rodgers. It's the way we've looked at him. People say he's not what he was, but then if you really watch him, no, he's still good. And I feel that way about Breeze. I don't think he, he's never really had the the arm strength um, that some of these other, you know, higher, higher caliber guys do. Um, and then there's Herbert on the other side who has been playing pretty good. Um, he could potentially, I mean, so with those young guys, they're, they're pretty inconsistent, especially at quarterback. So I feel like if Herbert has a good game, it's a Chargers win. Um, and if he doesn't, it's a Chargers loss. So I'm going to put my money on him having a good game. And I, and I do think Chargers are going to take that one. I don't think Drew Brees is going to play poorly. Um, I don't think the Saints are going to play poorly either. I, I just think that if Herbert has a good game, I think the Chargers are the better team. I like that. Pat, what are your thoughts? This one has been difficult for me. Um, <laughs> I love Herbert. The way, you, the way you prefaced that made it sound like it was like a serious like life decision. Yeah, that I know. It, that's what it feels like. <laughs> well, because I love Herbert, man. But I'm going to pick the Saints here. Um, I still don't think Breeze is throwing that well, even though he did look a little bit better last week. But the biggest thing for me here is – kind of the way the Bucks game ended with the Chargers last week. I think Herbert, because he's in his first year, and this doesn't mean that he's a bad quarterback, is just more likely to make that one interception. And I think this game is going to come down to who's going to make that mistake. And if I'm betting on Drew Brees throwing an interception or Herbert throwing an interception, I'm going to assume Herbert's going to do it. Um, and I think that's just going to give the Saints the edge. And the one thing that's been a little surprising to me is I, I – was always under the impression that the Chargers had a great defense, but they've been getting people are running up the score on these last mm -hmm. or these first few weeks. So without that strength, I I'm going to have to go with the Saints. Yeah, I think that is completely fair, um, and I also am under that mindset of the Chargers have a great defense, but then every game they're giving up at least thirty points. So I don't really they have well, all these. And it's not even that the Buccaneers came back in that final half. Like they just kind of let it continually slip away. That's pretty yeah, impressive. And that should have been a time when you let Bosa and uh, Ingram just pin their ears back and just go towards the uh, passer, which is usually how teams with great pass rushers win games is you get up and then let those boys eat. Um, so it is weird that they're giving up a lot of points and man, it just really makes you wish that Derwin James was on the field. Cause that he, impacts the game so much yep. from the little bit that he's been able to play in the NFL, but I'm going to pick the chargers just because I, there's some about the saints that I just, I don't like, you know, they got down early to the lions and then they rattled off. What was it? Like 28 straight or 35 straight points. Um, but then they let the lions kind of hang back in it. Now I know the chargers did the same thing and blew a lead to the Buccaneers. I'm just going to put my money on, Herbert getting better and better each week. Um, so I'm going to go with the chargers on this one and not feel confident about it at all. So <laughs> locking that in. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So 
picks are in there. Let's move on to the next segment, which is Pat's Cup of Joe. Pat, do you have a hot Cup of Joe for us? I guess we're going to find out. Uh, I'm going to level with you. This might be the coldest Cup of Joe to date yet. This is for both of you guys. Um, so we've obviously been somewhat involved in the swim world. And so there's this all-city league over the summer in Madison, which is super fun. Um, kids from all over the city get to compete every week. And then there's a big meet with kind of everybody coming together. And there's also another world of swimming where it's the club swimming, club swimmers. Um, my take today is all city way better than club swimming in terms of just enjoying it, fun wise, people you meet. Um, that's my take. I mean, you're, you're talking to two guys that pretty much only swam in the summer and all city. True, but but John's coach. <laughs> well, and that's a, hey, and that's why I said cold, by the way. Um, but I I don't know. John's been coaching back a lot. Maybe he's maybe he's got some different opinions. No, I I mean I 100 percent agree. As a coach, even I approach it a little differently. I mean, it's the mindset of the kids too, right? Like it's the less competitive versus more competitive. Um I think the kids doing it, like, I think the kids get a big kick out of the competition in club swimming. But if you're talking just like classic outdoor summer fun, what's better than summer league in Madison? I mean, it's just a blast. It's always fun. Every day is fun. The rainiest, coldest practice is so much fun. It's, I mean, I hundred percent agree. Yeah. And I mean, to John's point there, I think like, the parts that you remember is like growing up with it. You, you never remember the sets that your coaches gave you. You remember when your coach jumped in with all his clothes on or like when like the SpaghettiOs just tasted incredible during a swim meet or like when they had donut Fridays or whatever that like, for me, it was always the, not really the sport itself, but all the like outside factors that came into the summer league of just like all the fun around it. And so you know, I know back when I coached it and people would ask me, oh, what what club should I sign my my seven year old up for? And I'd be like, well, like, has has he even has he or she even played other sports or like, do they want to do a year round swimming? Like, let them be a kid. You know, it it blows my mind. The parents that try and force their kids to do year round sports for really anything before they're, you know, 12 or 13 years old. And that's a full circle back to parents, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Pat, I'll give a, uh, th- this one's a pretty cold take from my end, but is it a nice coffee? Is it a nice coffee? Ooh. Yeah. I think this one's, this one's a nice coffee with, <laughs> with a little cream in it too. A little cream in it just cause it's that fun <laughs> aspect. <laughs> John, John, what's your take cold or hot or iced coffee? It's cold. Just given your current audience, I think. Oh, John's giving it the cold brew. <laughs> okay, right. cold brew or nitro brew? Hang on, give us a few more minutes here. Oh, nitro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It uh, looks like we're on to the last segment, which is the venti minute. So I'm going to talk about anything I want for one minute straight and lining up my stopwatch here. I'm going to start it in three, two, one go. All right. So a football topic of the day, um, we're going to go through some of the best ways for players in high school football to stay warm on Friday nights when they're not playing now that we've hit October slash November games. Um, so I experienced this as a sophomore and junior um, during those playoffs when you move up to varsity and you're not playing, you're on the sidelines. Number one, 
is what you do with your breath. If you let out all your air, you get like a split second of being warm in that Wisconsin weather. So just one second of, and you feel kind of warm for a split second while everyone's doing their thing out on the field. Number two, hand placement. Hand placement is key. You either go under the armpits is one. You tuck it under the shoulder pads if you, the coach isn't watching. But the best spot for the hands is in between the legs, right in that crotch area. That is the warmest spot of the body. Um, when you're not playing or you're watching the varsity play, that is where the hand placement needs to be. Hand placement is crucial for this time. Uh, and then number one, and I think this one's pretty obvious, it's hand warmers. You can place them anywhere, put them in your shoes, in your socks, put them, you know, if you're wearing a hoodie under your uh, shoulder pads, you put them in the little pouch there, put your hands in there, put them in your gloves. Hand warmers are crucial for all of you bench warming uh, high school players out there. So I keep going over my minute and I apologize for that viewers. I'm or listeners. I'm so sorry, but for all the listeners that are keeping track on your phones, <laughs> once he begins, <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to go to John on this, John, any, any other spots for, for bench warmers to stay warm on these football cold Friday nights? Yes, I had one that I thought you were going to say, uh, but under, so under the chin, kind of around like where your collar would be underrated spot, a lot of heat there and it doesn't really keep your palms warm, but those fingertips will be just fine. <laughs> that is great. And that's why we brought you on, John. That is, <laughs> that's a hundred percent why we brought you in for this. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Coffee Table. Um, big shout out to John Young. John, thank you so much for coming on. It was truly yeah, a pleasure. Having having you guys. This was thanks awesome. Yeah. Um, so for everyone listening in, stay tuned. Uh, we'll keep cranking out content for you. Thanks and have a good one.